0: affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot, totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day.
1: Welcome to the My Essential Birth Podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Stephanie, and we're professional
0: doulas, childbirth educators, and the creators of My Essential Birth, the holistic, empowering online childbirth education course helping mothers everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. So join us each week as we share tips and advice for all things pregnancy, birth,
1: and beyond. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be the first to get new content. And head over to www.myessentialbirth.com for more information about our birth course and to join a community of mamas just like you. We want to give a shout out to our reviewer of the week, Mariah underscore C who says great encouragement. I've been listening to this podcast for almost a year now, and I absolutely love it. I recently had a baby in October. Congratulations. And this podcast really helped me understand a wide variety of topics prior to birth. My out of hospital birth did not go as planned, but I kept remembering their episode number 56 that I still have control over my birth. Although I ended up with a hospital birth and a lot of unexpected events came about, I still had control of my birth and so many things still went the way I had hoped, despite some hurdles. Thank you, Courtney and Stephanie, for faithfully empowering and encouraging women. I constantly look forward to new episodes each week and can't wait to apply these tools to my next pregnancy. Mariah, congratulations on your birth. I love that you really took the heart, the perspective that we shared. You're going to sometimes get thrown curveballs in birth. That doesn't mean that everything you wanted goes down the drain. There's still so much you can do in a variety of birth settings, cesarean birth included.
0: And I love that you've been listening for a year. That's kind of cool for us and cool for you. Like, I love it. And she's still listening
1: even after having her baby. What a great, what a great perspective. Knowledge is power. Yep. All right. We're excited, believe
0: it or not. (laughs) (laughs) to talk about episiotomies in this episode. It's something that we come up against as women, but also as doulas professionally. This is a question that we get from mothers all the time. My provider says it's necessary, or my provider says they rarely do them, or um, my provider told me they weren't going to. And then we ended up in a situation where he didn't really ask me. And so uh, we wanted to cover a wide range of of things regarding episiotomy, because I think there's a lot to talk about here and kind of unpack. Um, And so it can be frustrating, I know, for us to have to kind of sit on the sidelines. This is where I think a mom and a partner really have to um, kind of take control in this space and be able to say in the moment that it's happening, I'm so sorry, but we said, you know, we didn't want to do this this way or I – we'll get into it later. But it it can kind of turn into this routine thing and um, moms feel like they should have that option there and they absolutely should and it kind of gets pushed to the side. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, But – Definitely we've seen it unfold in a way that a mom has not agreed to or has not desired. And and so in this episode, we're going to talk to you about We're going to walk you through what an episiotomy is, what that looks like, what exactly happens during that process, why it's a benefit to mom and baby to actually stay intact and not have an episiotomy unless it's absolutely necessary, when they may be necessary, because that's really important, how they're performed, and most importantly, how can you avoid an unnecessary episiotomy.
1: All right. So what the heck is an episiotomy? I'm sorry if this is the first time you're learning about it because you're going to go, oh, ow. But basically it's (laughs) it's a surgical incision made with scissors in the perineum. And your perineum is the area between the base of the vagina and your anus. So that area between vagina and bum. (laughs) And it's a cut that can be at the base of the vagina directly down or sometimes you'll see them do it off to the side.
0: Yeah. And in fact, um, we'll get into that in a bit, but off to the side is actually the more common route now because of the issues that it can cause otherwise. So if you're cutting straight down, uh, it can extend easily to the rectum. And for obvious reasons, you don't want it heading that way. Um, Courtney's going to give us a little visual.
1: Yes. (laughs) So so if if you think of a piece of paper, okay, and if you were to try to tear this paper just by applying pressure like this, it's not happening. Right. But let's pretend for example, that this piece of paper is your perineum and your doctor makes a little snip with the scissors because, you know, Hey, we, we want to get baby out or you're going to need more room. You're a first time mom. Well, then what happens is it, <laughs> Oh, whoa, whoa, right. Um, it actually encourages more tearing
0: that like little common snip sense would tell you that.
1: Right. Right. So. But anyway, so No, no, no. It'll stop there. It it rarely stops there. Right. So. Right. And. I mean,
0: it's just kind of something to have in the back of your mind and and something to consider as you're going into this birth space because it is very common. And what's interesting too is, okay, yes, we're here in Utah. And I would say a lot of providers now are uh, – they're, they're not so snip happy. Yeah. We'll get into how the older generation of providers, this was a routine thing for them. And so they are much more likely and it's more common for them to actually perform that procedure. But – We also realize that we're talking to women that are not in Utah, that are not in such birth friendly areas. And the truth of the matter is that you guys are up against some different things. And so it's really important to understand what your rights are as a birthing mother. And we've talked about this before. We've said it on an episode. Literally nothing can be done to your body without consent. Uh, it's illegal. <laughs> so yeah. keep that in mind. But definitely, it was a very common procedure kind of in your mom's generation. And that's why we talked about those Everybody older providers. Everybody it Just it's what you did. Yeah. And, and yes. And the idea behind it, and we can talk about that too. But the idea behind it was that it's going to cause less damage damage to mom's lady bits. It's going to create, um, you know, enough room for baby to get through so that we don't
1: have as much straining during pushing. There were different thoughts and ideas behind it. I've heard other providers argue that they can more easily stitch up uh, yes. a nice clean cut versus if you were to tear on your own, that can be a little bit of a sloppy, hard thing to stitch up,
0: which is their job,
1: right? <laughs> like, You'd hope that they were need very good at to know how that. to do this
0: well. Yeah. But right. So for all of those reasons, that's kind of what the background is.
1: So why is it good to stay intact? Why do you want to avoid one? Well, if my visual wasn't enough for you, um, <laughs> for you, those of
0: you that can't see us, that right? Can't see
1: us. The paper tore in half, <laughs> right? It, it wasn't, it wasn't a good thing. Yeah. Um, but it can cause so much damage to your pelvic floor. You have your PC muscle, your pubic muscle and, um, scissors are indiscriminate. They just cut through whatever is there, muscle, nerve endings. It it doesn't matter. And so you don't want to have a damaged pelvic floor. And so you want to stay intact. You want to avoid one. Right. And along
0: with that, like we talked about, there could be damage to the rectum. So if that tear continues, and we'll talk about what a third and a fourth degree tear looks like in a minute, it can cause some serious trauma downstairs.
1: When you have this kind of trauma to your vaginal area, um, sexual intimacy can become very difficult and painful moving forward. And that is heartbreaking to me to have women say that it just it became something that I just physically couldn't do because it was painful.
0: Right. So when we've had women exactly come and speak with us about this did not go well for me and they made it sound like it was just no big deal and maybe sometimes it's not but for the women that it is it's changed their entire course of life from that point forward and so it does matter and it is important and it does it's something that should be talked about that you should be speaking with your provider about and that they should care about quite honestly
1: when you have an episiotomy, it prevents something called the fetal Heimlich maneuver, which is a natural process that occurs um, when your when your perineum is intact and it's tight. It it kind of um, as baby's emerging it ends up putting pressure on um, their their stern, their diaphragm area, and it can expel a lot of the fluids and things that are in baby's mouth. Um, And that's really helpful. That's beneficial to your baby. In fact, a lot of times, that's kind of nature's way of naturally suctioning all the crap out right. of their mouth. Um, but when you have a cut there, that doesn't happen. Because you don't have the pressure. Right. Yeah. And it's the same that we
0: see with mothers who have cesarean births. I remember seeing this with my son after he was born. They're like, just letting you know, you can feel this. It's really soft, but basically we're going to be smacking your baby's back with this so that he can cough up and get out all this extra fluid and mucus that comes from not having a vaginal delivery, particularly one that's intact. So that's super important. The truth of it is you might not tear it all. Hey, yeah. I am a tiny woman. I have all three of my children. Now, the first one, uh, baby was, you know, th- that was a cesarean, cesarean. birth. It yeah. was a different situation. But the other two, um, I had no tearing. And actually, okay, my second one I had, uh, she called it superficial tearing. She's like, I could put a stitch or not put a stitch. At that point, I had an epidural. I was like, stitch it up. You know, that sounds yeah. great. But otherwise, it, it didn't really matter. And with my third, and that was my biggest baby, almost eight pounds. No, no stitching. No. And I'm sure, you know someone would have been happy to help me yeah. make more room because I'm a tiny woman and it just, it ended up being fine. So with
1: my, with my first three, I had my doctor said about a quarter inch tear, which is negligible. It wasn't that big of a deal with my fourth. I didn't tear at all. Right. So you, and, and I've heard women, like you said, they have these big giant babies. Mm-hmm. They themselves aren't very big and they didn't tear at all. And I feel like that represents a lot of Patience on their part yeah. and their provider's part. So you may not at all. And that's, that's awesome. And I
0: think we've actually talked about this before. I can't remember. And I will not be able to find the episode because I know I have gone back and tried to, but I remember it was this like, um, midwife's episode in, in the UK and they were birthing at home. So the midwife would go from home to home. And I remember one particular, and I liked watching it cause it's, you know, more natural and they're having their babies at home and this it was exciting called a midwife? and happy. No, everybody thinks it's that when I say it. No, it's not. It's oh, not. Okay. Um, and I don't even remember what show or whatever, like what channel it was on. No, it's okay. But I, I was watching this one and this is the one where the mom was kind of, she was like a little more frantic and she was using a lot of nitrous and she's breathing baby down and, and the midwife comes in. She's like, I, she's like, I'm just going to make a little more room, you know, for baby to come out here. I think you just need a little bit of help. And she was saying, you know, no, I don't know. I don't know if I, and baby just kind of slipped out and, um, I remember thinking, yeah, I bet you didn't, I wish you wouldn't have said that, you know, like (laughs) that kind of sucks. And, and for the mom, like it was that like panic of like, oh, baby needs to be born now. And like the, the, her body just did it, which I thought was incredible. Um, but also just thinking like just a little bit of patience, you know, allowing mom to have that space, because if you would have done that, then that would have been a harder recovery and an unnecessary recovery as well. So yeah, I, I do think Ugh, it It kind of drives me nuts i okay, so back back to here's the other things that can happen, like a first or a second degree tear, so maybe you don't have um any tearing, maybe you have a superficial chair. Chair, tear, tear. <laughs> um, but you could have a first or a second degree tear, which is a lot more comfortable than a third or a fourth degree tear. Yeah. And scissors, like you had mentioned, like they, um, they almost always cause a second degree tear. They're going through muscle. They can cut nerve endings. So we know that there's going to have to be some stitches and recovery from that. But it could be less, obviously, if you allow your body to tear on, it, on its own. It's less likely to burst into a third and fourth degree to tear on its own.
1: When I feel like your body is smart, I, I've heard this said before, I would need to do a little research to verify that it's true, but it said that your body will naturally tear around if you're going to tear Mm. around muscle and, and some of these, um, major nerve endings and stuff like that. And so I thought that was kind of interesting when you're having to pee (laughs) postpartum on stitches, this is not fun. This doesn't feel great. And if anybody can be spared that feeling, I would want that for them. Not to mention that ACOG recommends that it shouldn't be done anymore. And this is
0: just one of those things where even when we see progress in the birth community, it, it and we've got people like ACOG who set the standards for providers, it still takes years, decades, generations for this stuff to actually be solved.
1: Well, I kind of wonder, and maybe somebody can answer for us. I don't know that it's mandatory for doctors to um, review all the stuff that ACOG puts out puts out all the time, or maybe they don't even attend these conferences. And if that's the case, then this knowledge it does, it takes a long time for it to actually make its way through. So if ACOG came out in 2006 (laughs) with this recommendation, and yet we still have some providers, well, I've been doing it this way forever. It can take a long time for that information to reach a new generation of providers. Right.
0: And for them to feel comfortable practicing like that, because this is just always the way they've done it, which I think is, is interesting.
1: So Steph, what are the risks then to having an episiotomy? What what's the harm? I mean, obviously yeah. you miss out on those benefits of not doing it, but what right. is the risk? Yeah, um there's an increased chance of infection, obviously.
0: Um the more tearing or or open wound or whatever you have down there with stitches whatever, uh you have an increased chance of infection for sure.
1: There's also generally no benefit to the baby, um, but definitely poses a risk to the mother. Right. And that's kind of our big thing, right?
0: Informed consent and benefits and risks. And so if you have that information going in, then you can make an informed decision to say, yeah, you know what? I think I'd rather not do that or I would like to avoid this quite a bit. So um, that small snip that we talked about can result in a third or fourth degree tear. And so maybe you want to talk about me.
1: I don't want to. <laughs> sure. Sounds painful. I'll be the one that talks about this. So, third-degree tears, so there's different degrees, right? Severity. You can think of it that way. So, a third-degree tear extends into the muscles that surround the anus. It would require a transfer if you were at um, a home birth or a birth center and um It may require anesthesia to repair. I would think you would want anesthesia to repair that. Mm -hmm. A fourth degree tear, holy cow, it extends all the way into the anus. So basically you, you are just wide open from your vagina to your anus. Right. And, um, this definitely necessitates a transfer if you weren't birthing in a hospital and it's repaired in an operating room. Right.
0: Yeah. It's very serious. And and then when we're talking about infection, if you've, there's a reason there's two different holes, <laughs> right? right? Those areas are not supposed to mix the things that, that go, I was going to say in and out, but there should be, really... <laughs> Let's not go there. Um, <laughs> anyways, the the things coming out of there they they're not supposed to mix into nope. the other areas. So yes, obviously going to the bathroom, like uh, I imagine can't even not imagine. Like pushing out a, a baby is one thing, and then having to have that first bowel movement after we talk about like use your magnesium, <laughs> drink the prune juice, like do everything you can, take the stool softener, be gentle to that area. Now imagine not having your muscles like capable and running down there. Anyways. Oh
1: gosh. My heart is hurting for women who have had to endure that, experience that. Yeah. And I I think too,
0: right back to our like position and and support and being allowed to like have a say over what your body is doing during labor is a big part of it too. Because even a mother So, unmedicated mother in a position that isn't good for her with an episiotomy and like pushing a baby uphill, you're all of those are going to increase your chance for greater tearing and a harder recovery. And a mother, even that is not medicated, you know, if she tries to give birth on her back and she's not leaned forward and her legs aren't wide, like all of that can lead to a greater tear. And so, I think freedom of movement, support, um, positional things, all of that's going to be really important.
1: Your body is smart. It's naturally going to lead you into those positions that are uh, going to to allow for the birth of your baby with the least amount of um with the least amount of adverse effect for your lady parts. That was a nicer way of saying yeah. it. I like that. Okay, so let's move into like why are they necessary?
0: Why would they be necessary? Why might I need one?
1: So, one of the arguments that we've heard providers make is that by doing an episiotomy, it will encourage a tear going down instead of a tear going up towards the clitoris, which protect that thing at all costs. Right. We definitely (laughs) want to prevent that from happening. Um, You've also heard the argument that if mom tears on her own, it's going to be more difficult to repair. We talked about that briefly. Right. But like you said, yeah, this is the job of the provider. If they're an obstetrician, they are a trained surgeon. They're trained for obstetrical emergencies.
0: And and for a midwife.
1: Right. And for a midwife as well.
0: Suturing is something you,
1: and they don't just cut a pretty line every time. No, you're supposed to be able to practice and you should have lots of practice um, stitching up non-straight lines. (laughs) So I feel like this should definitely be in their wheelhouse of skills, midwife or OB or whatever. Yeah. There's also the
0: argument to avoid interventions um, such as a vacuum extraction or forceps. Like, Oh, if we just make this little snip, we'll make more room and then we won't have to do some of these other things. Um, And all of those arguments are not necessarily factual. And so what they found and why ACOG came out and said what they did and and gave new um, guidelines that we're supposed to follow is because those things aren't necessarily true. And so it's actually, you know, damage without a benefit to mom. Um, and then there is the, like, there might be a rapid decrease at the end in baby's heart rate for whatever reason. And you've got to get baby out now and you, and the pushing isn't working or what it's not working fast enough. And in those cases, then that's where we trust our providers, right. And say, yes, by all means, of course, get baby out.
1: That would be the only time in my mind or, um, I don't even know about shoulder dystocia.
0: Shoulder dystocia is one of them. Yeah. Okay,
1: good. I was going to say to me, those would be the only two instances where I would say that that would be a necessary procedure get baby out at all costs. And even there,
0: it is by consent. And so generally, you will hear a provider say, hey, this is going on. Are you OK? I'm going to make this whatever. Um, what we often hear, though, is I'm just going to make a little snip. It's There's not a question. There's not. They're not they asking don't permission. To, like they don't wait. Yes. For the yes, necessarily. And that's not OK.
1: Right. So, We've talked about this, right? Informed consent is not I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do to you. It's do I have your permission to do this thing? Right. Yeah. yeah. So making sure they have the consent is Super and in an emergency important. situation, you guys with pressures flying high and everybody's anxious to have that baby delivered if it was kind of a um, life threatening situation like that. I could see that being done very hastily. Yes. Um, but it should be
0: done. Right. Yeah. And I think those extra couple seconds is not it's important enough. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's not it's not going to make or break this moment. And so it, it absolutely needs to happen.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about what to do if you do end up having an episiotomy. How can you help yourself heal? Yeah. And I would go right like
0: episiotomy, or honestly, if you
1: tear. You tear. Right. Yeah. If this you is a nice for
0: some, both. Some stitching up. And so sits baths are a big one, right? And we talk about this. And so if you don't know what a sits bath is, it's basically um, you want to be in about hip high water and nice warm water, like pretty hot water. Uh, And you want to put in your bath some Epsom salt. And so I think we say what? About a cup? To yep. Like a. A thing of hip high water and then we can get into padsicles and everything later maybe we'll we'll attach something for that but um having just gentle gentle area there right i think it's and it's like not within the first 24 hours so after 24 hours you can start your sits baths and that's just really relaxing and um healing
1: there's all kinds of healing sprays that you can make. Um, essential oils can definitely help these areas recover. There's are some great recipes out there. Maybe we can throw one up on Instagram or something <laughs> this week to share with you guys. But think of things that help tissues to heal. Frankincense is the first one that comes to mind for me. That would most definitely be in a healing perineum spray that I would make.
0: Yeah. And we see a lot of witch hazel, uh, lavender, mm-hmm. the, you know, healing, calming, Suiting. soothing. Yeah, those definitely. Are, those are the words. affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot, totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course
1: today. Happy Mother's Day. And then, of course, your your provider should give you a Peri bottle. Peri, short for perineum, right? Didn't know what this was for. (laughs) Nobody (laughs) told me. What did you think it was for? I didn't.
0: Okay. So when it was used for me, which. Okay. So after I had my, my cesarean birth and they were trying to get me to urinate. She was using it to put warm water on me to oh. make me have to go to the bathroom. And I was like, okay, that's what it's for. Nobody told me. To so make I didn't people know pee until yes. after I had my third. I'm like, why do they keep giving this to me? I, like, <laughs> <laughs> I already peed. I
1: know how to pee, anyways. But That's, Yeah. So are. anyway, it's a bottle. It's got a nozzle at the top that has, um, a few different holes in there. And when you squeeze it, it, it does a nice stream of water for you. And this is meant to uh, be used in lieu of toilet paper mm-hmm. for a lot of things because that it's going to feel sensitive, whether you've torn or not, that area yeah. is going to feel sensitive. So you can use this to kind of spray things down. I loved filling mine with warm water. Plus, it just felt good. Right. Just I would say
0: like just to just like when you urinate in a bathtub or in the shower, like it's less strong. And so if you are using it while you go to the bathroom, then it'll be less stingy. less salty right yeah for sure and then making sure to be gentle with yourself and allow the time for healing you know often we expect so much of our bodies but it's really important that we give ourselves the time that we need so that we're not creating the greater risk of infection by irritating the site and
1: If you have had damage to your PC muscle, if you feel like you've had damage that is making um, intimacy painful, I would also add in here that physical therapist, specifically a physical Mm. therapist that's trained in women's pelvic floor health, they are going to be your hero. You should definitely make an appointment to see a good one, get some referrals if you need to. Um, but they're wonderful and they can do so much in helping that area to heal as well.
0: Yeah. Okay. So the big question, how do we avoid one? (laughs) How do we make sure this does not happen? Okay. I know I don't want one. How do I avoid one?
1: (laughs) The answer might surprise you. (laughs) Court. get a provider, (laughs) that doesn't do them. I'm not saying- provider again? I don't understand. I know, but really though, you should be able to go to your OB, to your midwife and ask them what their episiotomy rate is. Now, they might not know off the top of their head, but they should be able to pull that information for you. Or if you don't wanna, you're like, I don't need to know their exact number, but I I do wanna know their feelings about it. um, I would just ask, what are your feelings on episiotomy? How often do you perform them? and and watch and see how they respond if it's immediately like a you know, well, um, I find I usually am using them for first-time mothers. Oh, I hate or, that answer so much. Ugh. I hate it. Or, uh, or if their response is only an emergency, like never, ever, unless there's an emergency. Okay, that's that's probably yeah. An and like
0: the follow-up question, what would you consider an emergency? How oh, often. That's and how often
1: do you see these
0: emergencies in your practice? <laughs> you yes. Know? Like let's, I let's love that. break this down. Yeah, um, yeah. And so you went over the red flags, right? If they're saying things without an explanation, um, if they act defensive. Yeah. If they don't give you the information right away, I feel like all of that is, you know, not super great. There's other things that you can be doing too that allow that area to stretch more naturally, right? Mm -hmm. This is why we're so big on the squats. So we'll put a link for it below, but if you haven't already download the three free exercise guide, this is one of them that you're supposed to be doing, um, every day. And we encourage women to work up to even 15 to 20 minutes of being able to sit in a seated squat for that amount of time. And one of the things that it does is it stretches the perineal area naturally and on top of that is if you're if you're talking about birth and the pushing stage, being in a squatted position also shortens the birth canal. So you're, mm-hmm. you're allowing less space that you're going to have to push a baby through. And then the, you're stretching the area that the baby needs to move through. And so all of that's going to be more comfortable and and less teary.
1: <laughs> and I have heard some advocates for diet too. If you have a good amount of healthy fats in your diet, that's naturally going to allow um, things to stretch, skin to stretch more easily and more readily. And so I think keeping that in mind is important. You certainly I've, should be doing a low fat diet during pregnancy. No. And I've heard
0: the same for um like stretch marks or whatever. You know, we yeah. do all this cream on the outside of our bodies when really we should be
1: focusing on boiling. Oiling we put in. from the inside. Yeah.
0: Out. <laughs> I didn't have a good word for that. Moisturizing.
1: I like oiling.
0: Oiling. Let's oil yourself that. from the inside out.
1: Um so I yeah,
0: but like it, it matters what we put into our bodies. I think that's really important. And something that we hear as far as the perineal area and something that we see midwives do, I've also seen this done in hospitals though, mm-hmm. right? Olive oil and or, or other oil oils that we can put down there and do some perineal massage when baby is coming out this is an option for you to do prior to labor as well this is something you and your partner can do together and there's an entire process on on how you should follow and what you can do to do the perineal massage I think it's personal preference
1: yeah it's not really something that I did or felt was super necessary but I know other people that really felt like it made a huge difference for them um so to each their own yeah go for it if you want to yep what about warm compresses Oh I've yeah. Seen, I've seen midwives and doctors even Wait, do that too. Watch the
0: show where she's always like, Go boil me some water. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> like gone with the wind. I need gone hot, with the wind. Hot towel Quick, hot. Yes. Boil me some, some water. water.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Never knew what that was till I was an adult. Thank you yeah. very much. Uh I think patience, right? This oh, is our big totally. thing. Like be patient, be patient with yourself. Be patient. Like hopefully you have a provider that's patient and supportive. Uh because the truth is. Um, even when we talk about like not wanting to tear that area right at the end as baby's crowning the patients and like not wanting to shoot baby out like I am done let's get this baby out (sighs) but easing them up and over the perineum is a much more gentle area and even having somebody during that time that's massaging and stretching and like okay let's help baby I love
1: hearing providers that are like okay baby's crowning little breaths hold it right there Mm -hmm. they're doing what they can to sort of coach baby over the coach, you getting baby over the perineum without tearing, hopefully. And so listen to them. Um, hopefully like we've said all along, you've got (laughs) somebody you can trust, but that can help. They can see what's happening. And then you definitely want to be in a more upright position when you're pushing to avoid tearing as well. Those positions that allow you to move freely are definitely going to be your friends. And we've said this all along. If you're, if you try the positions and you find pushing on your back is what you want to do and most comfortable for you. Great. Go for it. But just know that there's some that can help you out a little bit more.
0: Yeah. And I think any woman, right? Like un- generally no one's going to choose laying on their back if given the choice, no. particularly in an unmedicated med- situation. And so I think just thinking about that, like, like, given the chance, they're upright, whether that's on a squat bar, like leaned mm-hmm. forward, uh, maybe you laid down in between contractions, but you're definitely back up during them, squatting next to a bed, um, being over like a, a squat. Like it's generally some kind of squat, honestly. So yeah, yeah upright and, and squatted position is generally where it's at.
1: So to wrap things up, it is almost always better for mom and baby to avoid episiotomy, period. Um, your body's smart And it makes room for baby gradually as baby descends. And there really is a greater benefit and less risk to staying intact for both you and your baby. It's also important that you ask these questions
0: to your provider prior to being in the pushing stage and wanting to get baby out. Uh, And then we want to make sure that you're continuing to do your squats and eating healthy, doing what you can for your baby and your
1: body. I would also add that it's important for your partner to know about this stuff and be mindful of these things too, because you are going to be so busy pushing you might not notice if your provider is reaching for their scissors. So definitely help your partner to understand what they need to be watching for as well, even if you've already had this conversation with your provider so that they can um, intervene on your behalf and advocate for you if and when necessary. But you guys, above all, just be patient. trust the process um, because as I like to say, your lady bits will thank you. All right, mamas, we will be back with more tips and advice soon. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe so that you get notifications first about new episodes.
0: And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for more information on the birth course and to join our online community serving pregnant mamas just like you.